HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Let's eat in. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and uh, we're here at Roberta's Pizza. This is the home of Heritage Radio Network, brought to you by Heritage Foods USA. And also today, our sponsor is uh, Brooklyn Bowl, dubbed Rolling Stone. Dubbed by Rolling Stone is one of the greatest places on earth. Brooklyn Bowl's timely blend of live music, food by Blue Ribbon, and of course, bowling is a perfect strike every time. it features diverse live music performances from Snoop Dogg to Dr. Dog, The Roots to Gaslight Anthem, Gogol Bargello to The Disco Biscuits, and as well as the hottest, all the hottest and local and up-and-coming talents. Check out Brooklyn Bowl, uh, 61 White Ave in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, great. That's our latest sponsor. Some friends in the neighborhood. So, uh, today we have a really, really uh, great... Uh, duo of guests today. Um, I'll introduce Daniel Bowman-Simon. He runs the People's Garden NYC, peoplesgardennyc.org. He is also one of the two co-founders of the White House Organic Edible Garden Project. I totally messed that up. But it's basically, you guys all know about it. It's the project that really got petitions around and got the momentum around getting an edible garden on the lawn of the White House. Um, so congratulations to that. And People's Garden is all about getting an edible garden on the lawn of town, uh, the town hall in New York City. Did I get that right, Daniel? We call it City Hall here. We're city big hall. enough to be a city. <laughs> <laughs> we're small in landmass. I mean, it's just a town. We are a town. small York, town on the Hudson. New York town, town, right? No. <laughs> NYT? Take what Sorry. We can get. Town Hall is a great place to see a concert. Not as That's good right. as Brooklyn Bowl, but. <laughs> I like the Brooklyn Bowl. It's you good. take the Brooklyn Bowl? I saw the Black Lips. It's fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's our other guest. Evan, I can't pronounce your last name. It's, it's uh, Shepke. Shepke. It's a weird one. And uh, you are a writer for Permaculture Magazine. And uh, you have an e-zine about permaculture called... It's called Punk Rock Permaculture e-zine. Punkrockpermaculture.com. And but, there's also permaculture.tv that you... Yeah, I work with uh, permaculture.tv um, doing production work and... I'll hopefully be live streaming 
um, with them through uh, Ustream or Livestream at the Northeast Permaculture Convergence in Maine in a couple of days. So it, oh wow, so that's happening this week. Uh, no, it's actually July second through the fifth. So okay, Unity Maine. So if you're interested, uh, check out Northeast Permaculture Convergence. So you'll be live streaming that from permaculture.tv and everybody can kind of join in and see this conference as yeah, it happens. Absolutely. Technology, That's, modern tech. I love it. It's probably not as good as being there though, huh? I'll also be there, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, so obviously you're really into permaculture. Uh, what exactly is that? If you wouldn't mind just quickly summarizing it. Sure. You know. um, permaculture is a ecological design system. And it's based on natural principles, and it's to build regenerative human habitats or regenerative culture. That's that's how I think of it. But it was it was codified. The principles were kind of codified by this naturalist. Uh, well, a couple of different naturalists, but um, mainly uh, Bill Mollison and David Holgram from Australia. But they're drawing from all sorts of knowledge from indigenous peoples and um, from all sorts of different fields. So the idea is. You have all these different components, and you arrange them in a way that works with relationships, not just like uh, piecemeal. You know, you're really thinking about relationships. You're thinking about how to mimic natural ecologies in what you're doing, and so it works at all sorts of different levels of like scale. But it also works in all sorts of different fields. So I've been reading lately about like permaculture design and packaging principles, or, mm-hmm. or in packaging design. Permaculture principles and packaging. So not design. just city planning. It, it yeah, goes into permaculture principles and IT infrastructure design. Like uh-huh. it's getting really out there, which is really what I want to see. I mean, I want to see it in the heart of like mainstream design consciousness. That's great. Yeah, uh, Daniel, is that something you take into consideration um, when you came up with like the People's Garden NYC? Is that all about creating, you know, a more sustainable city? It is about creating a more sustainable city, and it's about involving and engaging a large swath of people in imagining what our city can be and and sort of unifying them in one particular mission right now that ends up opening up space for a lot more good stuff to happen. So, for example, um, looking back on the White House, when... We advocated that there should be a vegetable garden growing on the lawn of the White House. People sometimes kind of doubted it and said, well, that wouldn't matter that much, or you should spend your energy focusing on something else that's more manageable or that could serve more people. But what's ended up happening is that that one garden has really sparked the imagination and consciousness of people all around the country and the First Lady herself, living and seeing a garden every day is something that can be super rewarding to <laughs> just about anybody, as I'm sure That's you terrific. know. Terrific! Did you get to meet uh, Mrs. Obama? I got a hug. Oh wow! <laughs> I asked her for a hug, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that's terrific. Do you wear that T-shirt every day too? The People's Garden. <laughs> I have two <laughs> of them. <laughs> Swap out. Yeah. Sorry. But, um, so, so, so that's like so. What you know? Now that you've gotten this, now that we as a nation have seen you know this edible garden on White House, um, why go and make one another one on New York City? I mean. I know that like there's other town halls, uh, city halls. Sorry, 
that have edible gardens, correct? How many are there? There's others like... I mean, it's hard to keep track of all the gardens. It's hard enough to database gardens on the Lower East Side, much less around the country. But Portland, Oregon has a beautiful vegetable garden. Uh, In front of their city hall, though? Yeah. Will Allen helps start a vegetable garden in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He runs Growing Power. San Francisco had a beautiful victory garden in 2008. Uh, they're, they're popping up. I heard somebody sent me a message on Facebook yesterday at Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Colorado has a, has a city hall garden now. Why New York City? I mean, New York City is where I live. It's where I have roots. Mm-hmm. My great-grandmother grew up in Flatbush. So uh, why, not, why not focus on the place that I live? But as everybody knows, New York City is kind of a light unto... Yeah, I mean, we're a, a country in and yeah. of ourselves, so if people see what's going on here, and getting people who work and live in New York City to experience what a vegetable garden can be. So when the mayor climbs up the stairs or leaves City Hall every day to see that garden, to see kids interacting with it, to know that that garden, the petition uh, is asking that the food grown there be donated to a nearby food pantry. There's over a million hungry people in this town right now. And why not have that intention when growing the food that this food is actually for service? Mm-hmm. And w- so when you go around and petition uh, average New Yorkers, what is their reaction, do you think? Um, d- d- are they still like kind of aghast? Like, which I'm sure you must have got a lot of shocked and confused people um, <laughs> responses when you were first doing you know the white house petition but yeah it's it's a shifted tide uh-huh. now i think okay. i mean you you still you ask anybody to sign a petition and their face kind of freezes up and they just <laughs> want to run the other way as fast as they can but you you met I've if you get the word that at all when people come up to me in union square i'm always no i'm just kidding You could try it. I mean, I I invite you to go around with a clipboard one day if you're into it and ask people to sign this petition because as soon as you say the word garden, their face lights up again and they're grabbing the pen out of your hand. I went to an Ozo Motley concert a few weeks ago and some girl grabbed my clipboard, stole it. I didn't know where she went and she came back and she had two sheets full of signatures. She was just excited to I, I would out. totally do that that that's yeah it's, just to bring it to me next time it's a very different reaction than if you're like do you have a minute for the environment and I, i'm not to knock like pergs or anything because i have a lot of friends that have worked for pergs i know they do a lot of really great lobbying work in all sorts of different fields but the thing about a garden is it's really engaging and mm-hmm. people get their hands in the soil and they actually like can see the physical manifestation of their efforts immediately like within months and that's a huge symbolic conscious shift, you know, mm-hmm. and that's why what <clears throat> what he's doing with the the getting a garden on the uh, town or the city hall. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> city hall of New York City is. We I can mean, also get a garden on town hall. Now what, that we're here. what we would really like to see is that not be a remarkable thing, like yeah. that not be that should just be commonplace and like. also things like permaculture should not be a word that i have to explain to people it shouldn't even be a word that um is a catch term it should be just like the way we think right and it's common understanding rather than this complicated scholarly sounding you know school of thought exactly garden is almost like the word garden i actually don't know the etymology we should find that out (laughs) but it's a word kind of like home that means something else to every different person but it's a warm 
It's a warm word. How about if anybody knows the etymology of garden or has any questions for these guys, why don't you give them, give us a call at uh, uh, 917-492-2128, I believe. I think I messed that up. 718, sorry, 718-492-2128. Check it out. Um, so another word I hear a lot is Gaia. Um, Gaia Institute, Gaia Soil, which I use on my rooftop garden. Um, and your Twitter hashtag, Evan, is Gaia Punk. What the hell is that word? I know, but I'm just asking. Well, that word, it's supposedly the kind of like consciousness of the earth. I believe it was um, keyed, like, termed by uh, James, like, or not, um, the guy. Love, love. The Gaia yeah. guy? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he has this idea Who? about this. Sorry, Daniel? Love- James Lovelock. Yeah. Okay. The Gaia hypothesis. Exactly. Ah. So it's like this idea of this, this, there's this underlying consciousness that is the planetary consciousness. And mm-hmm. and we have a like small conception of that because we, you know, use the internet and we have this idea of like the new sphere in that world. But there's other like very fascinating, you know, conscious activity out there such as like mycelia like mushrooms the the, the primeval consciousness of the planet or evolutionary consciousness of the planet could practically be mushrooms because there's such an amazing network you know of um interactions so we don't see that sort of stuff we don't we're not very few people get educated in ecology i mean it's very rare that you know i mean i was lucky to get anything I took a biology class, but I, I remember this uh, the one section in the Omniverse Development Dilemma where Michael Pollan was talking about mushrooms, and he's like, "We know very little about mushrooms and how they work, except that they're the opposite of like things that thrive on living things, and they thrive on dead things." And like, what's up with that? Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, that's it's pretty funny. amazing in itself. They're the bridge between like from death to life, you know, and so that's really amazing. But the other thing is that. Um, I think it's just a term that is becoming more popular because we are looking at that bigger context right now. We are looking at, you know, um, the globe. We're not ta- it's not about, like, the U.S. It's not about, you know, one particular place. It's about how can we, like, you know, be aware of what's going on, right. at, you know, in, in a global context. So how do we start doing that, like applying these principles and just doing something about that? What would you say? I would say, uh, you know, awareness is the first thing so and first first of all people need to know why people need to know why this is important and Mm -hmm. and, understand yeah nobody gets motivated about if i if i say okay you should learn this if i start talking about the what no one's going to care but if i'd say you should be interested in this because all the all the world's problems might be able to be solved in a garden i mean that's 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 a little permaculture maxim that's kind of a you know you know an exaggeration a little I can bit believe it. but there's 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 a truth behind it and that's because the when earth. when you get involved <clears throat> in these sorts of things when you get involved in organic gardening or you get involved in permaculture you get involved in eco city development or you get involved in um just thinking and conceiving of space differently than it is now you really realize that oh my god there's just a world of opportunities there's just a world of opportunities and there's just and and my hands and my energy can be a part of that, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a change. I grew up in a, learning about the, the eco side. You know, that's what I was taught in school. I was taught human beings cannot live in 
harmony with nature and this is what we get hammered into like every day you can bp oils pill whatever the eco side the eco side okay it's like genocide but ecological genocide so okay that's what i was like hammered you know home since like middle school you know right and then finding finding uh or just told that what we need to do is recycle (laughs) or like yeah doing things that are very like out of our hands you know and not really knowing. I mean, I know that I have commingled recycling in Olympia, where I live. What uh, is commingled recycling? Well, that's where you can just throw it all ah, in. Okay. You know, just like. But I know that that probably gets shipped to China. And then I have no idea what happens to it there. And it probably doesn't. Nec- and then they get money, you know, to recycle it and to we pay them to, you know, get it over there. So, yeah. um it would be great if we were more progressive. Olympia is a really progressive place, but it could be even more progressive. Like Curitiba, Brazil has a city-wide recycling where they recycle everything from their city in their city. Right, and you get to see it. And, you and they know see exactly it, and they happens. provide a whole lot of jobs, and they huh. reclaim a whole lot of material, and it's amazing. And like they did that not because they were trying to be progressive, but because they didn't have any other choices. They needed to employ people. They needed to like get rid of all the trash that was building up. It was just getting that bad. And so sometimes, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, take that extra step beyond just, oh, well, we're going to... But if we don't have to think about our garbage (laughs) and look at it, then isn't that better? Uh, I mean, eventually, you see a lot of people who are like, man, I just want to go... I don't want to get my own little eco slice. And mm-hmm. I, I have this desire too. I mean, it like pops up in my heart sometimes. Like I want to go out and I want to find this perfect ideal eco utopia to live in and <laughs> everything will be great there. But the truth is we really need to work in places like New York City and work work in places where there's a conundrum. You know, there's a there's a <laughs> real question about what needs to be done. And, and that's because... If you don't, then something's going to come along, like the BP oil spill or like anything else, you know, natural gas disaster. I mean, there was, people don't know it, but there was three natural gas disasters, like, just last week. And they're trying to, like, you know, hydrofrack the the groundwater of uh, New York State. So, uh, you, you really can't. Uh, avoid I'm being shutting my ears up. right now. Just <laughs> yeah, no, I know we're supposed to be talking about the positive things. There are so no. many positive things. There's besides um, what Daniel Daniel has already accomplished in in his, the movement. There are people that are emulating what he's done, and mm-hmm. so there's like uh, one million gardens, and also uh, a movement to create one million forest gardens, like around the U.S. And so um, there's all sorts of really really positive things just last week was city repair if, if people don't know about city repair in portland mm. it's the most amazing thing i mean we're talking like 10 days evan's of, joining us from the west coast by yeah the way. i'm from the west yeah. coast i'm olympia i know <clears throat> i just i wish i wish i could sometimes be in the in the maw of the beast more <laughs> no <laughs> but i will tell you i mean portland oregon it may not be the place that mayor bloomberg is looking to mm-hmm. for examples but I can learn from what Portland is doing at their city hall. I have a phone call schedule with Steve Cohn, who is mm. in the sustainability office in Portland. He's a government employee who's working on climate change, but and he's charged with food, which is something that New York City doesn't have somebody like Steve Cohn. But I can call up Steve Cohn 
and say, let me know what what has been working for you in this garden, what hasn't been working for you, what what can you do to help make sure? Because when New York City does something, we like to do it like big and fierce, <laughs> and we don't want it to fail, and you know, we just want to make it work. So, <laughs> Steve Cohn, you know, what can you tell us from Portland? So, thank you for for invoking the the West Coast. I mean, there's conversions. We're having a mini conversions of East and West Coast right here. Yeah. Um, can we just take a quick break? I know Evan, you picked a song, and we'll we'll get on to more sunnier and positive changes. Be right. Kathy Irway and uh, Heritage Radio Network is what you're listening to. Um, thanks to our sponsor, Brooklyn Bowl, and thanks to our producer, Jack Insley, and engineer, Nat Wiener. Um, so we got Evan Shepke Shepke and Daniel <laughs> Bowman Simon. Um, we were just having a riveting conversation about, uh, you know, I can't even go into it, um, but <laughs> it's too much. We, we just found too out what garden means. Oh, we did? Okay. It, it, jardin. Is that someone is it tweeted, French? Or? Someone tweeted it in for us. Okay. And it, it just means enclosure. But we appreciate the tweet. That doesn't but sound... But it's a thousand-year-old word, so... Okay. That's cool. some credit. I, I, okay, enclosure. Jardin. It's related to yard, in fact. Yeah. Oh, jardin. Enclosure. Speaking of yards... Let's. I think we should get back to talking about what we should, what people can do. What people can do, right? After uh, they educate themselves, as as you yeah. mentioned. Step one: get rid of your grass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You um, don't need it, and it's expensive. Attack on the front lawn. That was the subtitle of Edible Estates. Um, a cool project, all about you know the uh, amazing phenomenon of the lawn which has really um you know it took root in um english you know landscaping of gardens um and how it was you know kind of nicely distributed um but it, it just went haywire after uh, 
I, I don't know when, at some point in American history, everybody has to have a line, and uh, it sucks a lot of water. How much water? I, I'm not really quite sure, oh, but... I believe at least 1% of water use is just um, golf courses and lawns. and lawns. At least... I think it's and, and probably higher. I think it's like it, 1.5. It takes up a lot of your money, time, and energy to keep to keep take care of your lawn. So why not you know take some money, time, and energy and grow some tomatoes and stuff. I was in Stuyvesant Town last night, and they had the sprinklers on, <laughs> and it was raining out. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. How many oh, times have people seen that and just been like, "What are we doing?" All right, so you can get rid of your lawn and um, maybe join a, a campaign like People's Garden NYC. Uh, .org. .org. Definitely join that campaign. That is a good campaign. And also look, hook up with the, if your town has like a local permaculture guild or like any kind of free community gardening classes, go to those. I mean, they're out there and they're free. Permaculture guilds are s- supposed to offer free workshops and education so that's like what it's designed to do so find those people go take free classes i might be doing a um pay what you can or like free uh class here in new york before i leave the the east coast so that's terrific yeah yeah do that Look do a forward little, to that. little intro i have a feeling a lot more people will be going to these workshops um just in, you know from from what i've heard um Everybody's really getting into gardening. I know a uh, New York Botanical Garden um, started this uh, program last summer called Edible. Um, what the hell is it called? Um, <laughs> the Edible Garden, I think. That was like a summer long series of lectures, workshops on growing stuff last year. Um, today, This year, they're really expanding the program. It's going to be really exciting. Um, I think I'm teaching a cooking class July t- uh, 11th, 10th. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's going to be like chefs, everyone. It it should be really exciting. It's fun to see chefs get behind um, this new growth of gardening going on too. Chefs love it. Can yeah. we talk about chefs and kids for a little bit? Yeah. I mean, chefs love it because if you talk to nine point nine nine chefs out of ten, they are going to much prefer cooking with fresh ingredients and fresh ingredients come from places nearby good it makes them look <laughs> good work, yeah it tastes it makes better. their creations are more pretty better they're tastier mm-hmm. so why not and let's in terms of kids and cooking and getting them excited about all this stuff i mean that the uh i think homer simpson said the kids are our future unless we stop them first <laughs> but kids can't be stopped and <laughs> that's right. And they're curious as all hell. And here's here's the thing. Evan was talking about biology and, and ecology and learning. A hundred years ago, most Americans were growing up on farms. And so this stuff was just intuitive. It was exploring. It was playing by the creek or picking weeds or just digging in the dirt. And so you wouldn't necessarily need a science class. These days, everything in science class is so darn boring. I got... I, I got suspended from school when I was little because I just wasn't having a good time in science class and mm-hmm. started throwing things. Um, but if you get kids out in the garden, it calms them down. It makes them curious. There are always surprises in a garden. Good, bad, strange, beautiful. And so if you could get the kids engaged, 
then they will start asking more questions about the food. They'll want to cook what they grow. They'll want to eat what they grow. If you try to tell a kid that they should eat a carrot or broccoli or <laughs> lettuce, say, they'll say, ooh. But if they've grown it, oh, then the first thing they want to do is chomp on it. It's so true. And, and so, they'll be like, that one's mine. <laughs> that one's there's a lot. Better. There's a big movement right now that's um, getting, you know, there's some really great bloggers out there and really great people working on um, farm to school, the farm to school program. And, and it's tough because you're dealing with like the federal government allocates $1 per meal mm-hmm. per kid. That's all. $1. Yeah. So what do you get for a dollar? You get some corn dogs. I mean, I, I would keep the tater tots, but that's just me. But honestly, most of the stuff is just absolutely horrible. I don't... I don't know how I ate some of that stuff, really. I think when I, as soon as I got to middle school, I was like all about the salad bar. But <laughs> I mean, kids. Well, you had a salad bar in middle school? I think so. Maybe it was high school. I don't know. We wow. Didn't, we didn't. I went to a we public had Taco school. Bell. See, yeah. I didn't get any of that stuff. We, we had like, we didn't have any of the cool things. We had an open <laughs> campus and, you know. But what, I, what would have been really cool is if we had fresh farm produce or if are some of the kids were growing some of the food that actually like is used in the school that would have been really cool you know it's funny uh, at the recent uh hungry filmmakers we had showed us a film called Lunchline, and uh they talked a little bit about the history of school lunch program and originally when it was first instituted um it was a way to have um you know farmers surplus crops used up they're like, what do we do with all this stuff? Um, oh, okay, let's let's start a school lunch program. And I, I don't think it's changed <laughs> at all, actually. <laughs> now it's like excess stuff from the Cisco truck. That <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's well. It was a it was a union of some people were really interested in making sure that kids had food, and there were a lot of poor kids in mm-hmm. America who didn't have access to food at home, and then there were the people who were more looking out for the for the farmers and they figured out that this was a bipartisan way to be That's, synergistic i mean it, yeah. it came out of something like exactly. a permaculture it's, principle of like yeah. let's mm-hmm. work together and figure out how we can yeah. make this happen and and i i guess this question is trying to connect those dots again and see if it, it'll work on such a large you know scale yeah well examples examples really help scale. i mean president Clinton a couple of weeks ago I heard him speaking and he was saying why did Copenhagen fail so miserably it's because all of these things that we're talking about are pie in the sky if we had better examples of programs that worked then that would help so just building these little examples that do work that show that that these programs can thrive is so important for making the the larger argument I feel, I mean, the other reason it failed is because it's so segmented. You had all the people that were coming up with great solutions. It's not like there's not great solutions to a lot of the problems in the world. They're really right there. I mean, we're, when you're talking about housing prices, great solution, uh, community land trusts. When mm-hmm. you're talking about uh, agriculture, great solution, organic gardening and, and organic farming and permaculture. When you're talking about, um, you know, workers' rights, finance, building um building uh democratic workplaces great solution co-ops so so there's definitely there's definitely uh lots of solutions out there but people who are on the policy side 
don't necessarily ever go visit those other people that are coming up with these solutions. So that that's what does stand out about a city like Portland, and that's what needs to happen in a city like New York. I mean, people, when I was at City Repair a couple years ago, I saw like, I saw city planners and the, you know, the council members dancing on the dance floor with like people who were probably, you know, radicals and mm-hmm. like really into well, our mayor just did a yeah. uh, performance with the cast members of Hair, so <laughs> there is there is hope in that. And and like you're saying, I mean, this is part of it. Policy makers live in their cubicles, but they don't have the opportunity to. I mean, they're not going to read every policy paper that people email them. They just don't have the time. They don't have the attention span. But they also don't have the time to do a million and one site visits. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's. It's just really important from that perspective to get, I like to say, uh, a garden is worth a thousand policy papers <laughs> the same way you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. If you get the garden there, it, it speaks for itself and it educates and right. it engages. Well, let's start with the garden this summer, everyone. Um, thank you guys so much for sharing your thoughts. Uh, again, we had Evan Schlepke. Uh, Shepke. <laughs> Check out Permaculture Magazine, permaculture.tv, especially when he live um, blogs from the con- Convergence. We got Daniel Blumenstein. Thank you so much. Um, Peoplesgardennyc.org. Please check it out. I know you'll have fundraisers coming up, um, you know, sometime in store. You want to cook? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'll be at the next one cooking. Check, check out Kathy's recipes. <laughs> They're really good. Thanks. Yeah. Yay. Okay, let's go cook now. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. I'm your host, Kathy Array, and uh, this is Let's Eat In. Thanks for listening. Go on, you-